Good morning. Hey. How are you feeling? Man, man, I've seen better days. It sounds like you're kind of like, it sounds like you're kind of breaking up or far away or something. Is that better if I'm closer to my phone? No, it's the same. It's the same? It might be because I'm so far out of town. Maybe. <clears throat> you sound great. I do. I have. I woke up at 3.30 and never went back to sleep, so I am tired. Yeah. But anyway, we can go ahead and get started. Um, good morning, everybody. We're going to talk about, well, this week we're going to do a series on the phases of abuse that we talked about last week. So we're just going to hone in on each phase every day this week. So today we're going to talk about love bombing. Um, and Fallon, do you have, do you have any, um, anything to add about love bombing real quick? Oh, probably not today. <laughs> okay. All right. So functioning right now. You're fine. Take your time. Um, I'll talk about love bombing for a little bit. We have, this is the first phase in, in any cycle of abuse. And what's confusing about it is that they make you feel like an abuser will make you feel like you are just the one person they've always been looking for and nobody better. And they basically sweep you off your feet. They're, you know, just this amazing person. And it's confusing because they make you feel like they're the one you've been looking for but in all reality it's a huge red flag so if they're future faking um which includes like oh my gosh you're the person i want to marry and we're talking in the very beginning of a relationship so you've known this person two three weeks and they're saying we're going to get married we're going to have a beautiful life together that's one thing my ex used to say all the time we're going to have a beautiful life together and it would never happen, you know, like there was no beauty in, in our life together ever, but he was future faking. Um, they're really good at saying what you want to hear. And sometimes it makes you feel like you're being saved by that person. You know, I've gone through all this stuff in my life and now I finally have the person who can save me from it. Um, they want constant attention, but they also give constant attention. Um, always complimenting you is another one. So like, you're so beautiful. You're the most beautiful person I've ever seen, which is nice to hear. But when you're hearing it so much that it's, um, like kind of in an overwhelming sense, they, it's a red flag. That's, that's love bombing. So the whole, it's hard because, you know, as a female or a male, we want to hear that. You want, that. you want to be engaged, you want to be loved and not worshipped, but loved and appreciated, and you want to hear it. I mean, like right. I said, in the beginning, I went eight years without hearing it. So, do I, does this look good? Do I, should I wear this? Does it look okay? And they're like, eh, yeah. Right. You know, I wouldn't even get a response with, oh, yeah, it'd be just be like a, mm. And I'm like, wow. 
Okay, so I guess if I'm not asked, are you wearing that tonight? I guess I look okay. Right. You know, so it, it, it's kind of, it's a rock and a hard spot when it comes to the love bombing. Because yeah. a good relationship, a healthy relationship will say, hey, you look so beautiful tonight. And you right. look absolute dog shit. I mean, I've been sick for three days. And I'm sure if I sent the guy that I'm talking to a picture, he'd be like, oh, my God, you look great. But right. But there's there's that. And then, like you said from the beginning, when they are in awe of you and they are like, oh, my God, you look so beautiful. You're so gorgeous. You're so, oh, my God, look so good on you. That sure is amazing. And you're sitting there going, what the? No. In a pair of shorts, like I, I look good. Okay, so then when you look really good and you go to dress up and you look amazing, those are the, the times where they go, "You look beautiful." Right. You know, you don't need to hear it every day, but it's nice to know that you're complimented when you're trying hard to please them. Right. And that's the thing that I used to tell my ex: I don't dress up for me. And I definitely don't dress up for Joe Schmo out there. Oh, yeah. Dress up and I ask you, does this look okay? I'm asking you for your opinion. I have to go out there and get somebody else's opinion. Right. It doesn't, I don't give a shit what Joe Schmo thinks. I don't give a shit what Becky, Becky Bruder thinks. <laughs> you're listening, I do apologize. I don't know you. <laughs> You know, we don't care. We do it for the person that we're with. Our significant others should think that we are beautiful and gorgeous every day. Right. Exactly. But, yeah, those are, the love bomb is hard to detect, especially when any female or male has gone years, months, whatever, without having that. Right. The whole thing about love bombing is that it's a manipulation tactic. So they use that to manipulate, you know, so like if they're telling you constantly that they want to marry you and you're the, you're the one they've been waiting for and um, all the things you want to hear, it, essentially that's just manipulating so that they can gain control over you in the beginning. Then once they move on to the next phase, they already have control over your mind and, and your mental awareness. So you're less likely to leave. But if you have your eyes open, like, yes, this guy or girl tells me I'm beautiful all the time, constantly 10 times a day. But is that healthy? Is this person being a, an individual or are they all of a sudden focusing their whole life on me? That was the one thing for me that was a red flag, but I didn't know it back then is we'd met. And like a week later, I was already like the center of his attention, the center of his life. He revolved everything around me, but little did I know at that time, it was like, no, this person just met me. They need to be an individual. They need to have their life. They've had their life before me. They need to keep it when they're with me. So that's just a way to manipulate and gain control over you so that when the next phase comes, 
you know, you're going to hang on because you'll remember what happened. Well, this is what he said. We're going to have a great life together. We're going to go on vacations. Um, I dated someone last, I mean, I wouldn't say we dated, but for like a week, maybe. And good thing I knew about those red flags then because he was like, we met the next day. He was telling me that he wanted to take me to Colorado on a trip. And I'm like, that's a, just a little bit too soon. You know, like I've known you 24 hours. And then the very after that, he's like, I'm going to make you my girlfriend. And I'm like, this is a little too soon. Like, I don't know anything about you. And yeah. this went on for like a week. And I was just like, finally, I was like, nah, dude, you need to, you don't even know who I am. Why are you revolving your life around me? That's just, I feel like I dodged a bullet, <laughs> you know? Right. Right. Yep. Yep. Now I have the, oh my God, you're so amazing. You're so amazing. You're so beautiful. Um, the kids' dad used to tell me that all the time. How beautiful I am. And we're like the puzzle pieces that fit together. And right. Blah, 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 blah. Yet, you know, he's over here telling the other girls the same thing. And I'm like, it'd be nice if you meant it to one person, but then you can tell me it to 30 people. Right. It means absolutely nothing. Nothing. Yeah. No candle in anybody's wind. Like, you are absolutely disgusting. Yep. You know, oh, and the whole, um, um, we're going to do great things. We're going to have so many great things. We're going to do, we're going to have all this. We're going to have all that. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And, you know, I would sit there and I'd be like, so when? And he's like, just be patient. It'll come. Right. Just be just patient. Be- it'll come. God, I, uh, I was like, if I'm any more patient, shit, I'm going to die in my grave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Five, six years later, none of this has happened and they keep promising it. It's like empty promises. I got to the point where I, I stopped believing anything he said because it was like, nothing you ever say you never follow through with it so i don't i literally never believed anything he said until i saw it for my own eyes like in action you know but the thing with love bombing is that it's part of the cycle so it doesn't just happen in the beginning they'll they'll do the love bombing in the very beginnings hooked and then after they know they're starting to lose control over you, they start the love bombing again. And it's just a vicious cycle. They do it throughout the whole relationship so that they can give you little reminders of like, Oh, look how it was in the beginning. I want to go back to this. Won't last very long for my ex. It lasted. His love bombing lasted about a week or two, maybe a week, 10 days. He would do that. And then we'd go right back into the cycle. And I, it was like a, it was just a pattern. And I could, I could tell on the day, like, okay, you know, it's been about 10, 12 days since he's said anything nice to me. So he, it's about to start. Plus we've been fighting lately a lot and, um, you know, he's starting to gain, you know, lose control over me. So sure enough, he was start and then, go about 10, 12 days being real sweet and just bringing flowers and compliments and all that kind of stuff. And then as soon as that 10, 12 day sprint was up, it was back to the old shit. 
Yeah. As soon as you call them out on their shit, and you're like, you know what? I don't need this. Right. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'll do better. I'll be better. I'll be better for you. Oh my God, you're right. You deserve so much more. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. At the end of the day, they're like. No one's going to love you like I do. Well, shit, fuck that. This is love. I want nothing to do with it. Exactly. It's like you're, you're so painful to me. It's sickening. I remember the kids, the kids' dad would get, he got sick one day, one day. And I mean, like, sick. I almost thought he had hepatitis C at one point because it was, oh, God, like, like deathly ill. And, I remember, I know this is going to be like TMI, but he actually lost control of his bowels in the bed. And wow. Yeah, we had, I had a protector and stuff over the sheet, the bed, because I had kids, you know, they were babies. But I remember sitting there thinking to myself, fuck that, let him lay in there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, what would he do if I got that sick? Nothing. Not a thing. You don't think for one second he'd lift me up out of bed and take me in the bathtub and wash me off? No. I did. I had just had our second child. She was probably six months old, so six months out of a C-section. And I'm moving him from the bed to the shower, getting him cleaned up, cleaning all the bedding off. I threw away all the sheets put new ones out it's like this is bullshit wow and after years of, of not knowing what was going on he was detoxing oh my god yeah he was detoxing i don't know what happened i don't know for how long i don't know how long it had been since he had had anything what he was detoxing off of but I mean, I can't tell you what was going on, but he was sick for like a week. And, you know, he didn't have any insurance. I did, but I was like, I'm not, I don't know who to call. Do I call 911? Do I have an ambulance come and get him? And as soon as I even thought about doing that, he was like, no, 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 I feel better. I feel better. And I'm like, you don't feel better. You're sleeping on the bathroom floor. Wow. Yeah, that makes sense after what you said last week, finding um, the spoon and all that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know the timeline, obviously, but that would make sense. Yeah, no, that was probably, well, Abby was born, so that was probably three years, four years after that. And it was just, it was just really... Like, I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to help him. I didn't want to take care of him. But I still have, I'm still a person. I'm still human. I can't see anybody else dying on my watch. Right. So I'm like, yeah, what if I have to do this? And who, like I said, you know, I didn't have a cell phone. I didn't have a home phone. I didn't have anything. Who was I going to call? Right. Living on five acres out in the middle of nowhere, and I have two kids and a little car. I'm not dragging this 150 pounds soaking wet man. Right. To the emergency room, you know what I mean? So I was like, I, I guess I'll just do what I can do and doctor him up here. 
Right. Luckily, I mean, after about day 10, he could actually hold food in. But I mean, they put me through so much hell and so much bullshit that when something like that happens to them, it's detrimental. It's like, oh, God, I, I know. To, I have to take care of this. Right. And it seems like when they're sick, like, especially like when an abuser specifically is sick, it gives them more attention because that's what they want. They want supply. They want attention. And the whole focus is on them. So when they're physically sick, it's like now's their chance to get all 100% of your attention because you are the caretaker. And if you're not taking care of them the way they think you should be, then it becomes a fight. But if you get sick, it's the total opposite. You're fine. You can go to work today. You can do the laundry, whatever it is. You know, they, it's like, no, I'm not giving you all the attention because it's not on me. I, I have chronic migraines and actually that's why i started taking kratom in the first place was for my migraines but in the very beginning in the love bombing phase with my ex he would take care of me during my migraines i had to go to the hospital several times and he would come pick me up mind you he was drunk every time he picked me up but at, at the time he was love bombing me so it didn't it didn't even phase me and then later on i'd get a migraine and it's you know eight 10 months later, maybe a year. And he's like banging around in the house and playing loud music and, you know, like turning all the lights on things that really bother a person with migraines. <clears throat> and he knew, he knew I was in bed for that. And he'd be like, can you make me lunch? You know, I'm busy outside. Can, can you just make me lunch? And it's like, dude, I can't, I am physically sick. Like you don't, you didn't ever used to be this way. Yeah. But it's, it's weird how they act when they're sick and when you're sick. Well, I, I remember, you know, it was crazy because after my third C-section, I had had the kid's dad, mind you, we weren't together. He was living in Texas. Um, he had met the kid's dad and his stepdad brought up furniture for me from Texas that I had left down there. And I told him he could come as long as he, you know, didn't stay there with me and he could see the kids. Mm -hmm. Well, boxes out of the trailer. I mean, I'm literally four days, five days out. I just got released from the hospital. Oh, wow. And he's like, I don't understand why you can't lift a box. Huh? I, said, well, I don't understand what you don't understand about having seven muscles cut straight across. Right. So I would take my foot and I would just kind of scoot it to the side. I, I remember him saying, oh, my God, you're so fucking lazy. What? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm, <laughs> I just laughed because I'm like, this is why we're not together. This is, this is why you don't phase me like, at right. all. And even when I moved back to Texas when Abby was five months old, I made it a promise to myself and to him, we are not together. We right. will never be together. I'm moving down here because I promised him I wouldn't take the kids from him. So when I moved back down to Texas for the last time, 
um, we were not living together. We were not together. Uh, I ended up moving to Houston with his cousin and my cousin-in-law, basically like a sister-in-law to me. Right. Her kids. I loved, I love my kids. I love my nieces and nephew. Um, I go down and see them at least once a year when I can now that they're all over the age of 18. I want nothing to do with any part of their family. I don't care. Right. Um, but their dad was the same way with their mom. Very what? abusive. Very physical. Um, just mean and hateful to the girls, mean and hateful to the kids. And, you know, I, whenever... My last straw with the kids' dad was when I was staying at a spa, and I was renting one of their one of her apartment complexes up above her garage, because that's how you do it in Houston. Every garage has an apartment, and um, I was doing massages and stuff for her. And he opened the top window to the apartment and slid my old antique roll desk. And slid it out the window and was going to push it off the fucking ledge. Oh, my God. Well, technically, I didn't have it. The owner of the house had it because I told her to put it in the safe. I said, because if I have it, he will take it. And he kept saying, I know you have money. I know you have money. I don't have any money. I don't know what you're talking about. I don't have any money. What? Yeah. Yep. And then he... Took my car for the last time, and my friend and I from Texas, my friend and I had to drive down to Alvin to go pick it up. And I told their, I told his stepdad, I said, "This is the last time you'll ever see me and my kids." The fact that you oh, wow. up and you have hookers and cocaine and drug users living in your house, this is the last time you will see me and my kids. Wow. Yep, I called my mom and I said, hey, I have money saved up and I need out of here. She came down with a U-Haul. We packed all of my stuff in there. Um, and I left 2007, 2000, was it 2007, 2006, 2007. Never looked back. Not one time. You know, I, when I left the kids' dad, I didn't leave him. I didn't leave his mom. I didn't leave his grandmother, his aunt the cousins or anything I left him right and you know then whenever he left whenever he came well he was working in rifle he was working the oil field still so he was working in rifle Colorado he ended up with a hernia well who's on his emergency contact (laughs) wow yeah so I have to go to Grand Junction and pick him up at 10 o'clock at night. And I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. I'm living with my mom, with my three kids, and I have to do with him. Good grief. Oh, yeah. So we stayed there for a while, but the whole time he's like, thank you so much for taking care of me. You've always been the best. You're such a great wife. And I'm like, wife, wife? You're high on drugs right now, bro. We're not, we're not married. Right. And you're, you're oh, just- my ex used to call me his wife all the time too. And, and we weren't married. And it was like, at first I 
took it as a compliment, but then I was just like, this is, I don't know. It just rubbed me the wrong way after a while, you know, because he would like tell people that he met that I was his wife or he'd be on a phone call and he's like, let me talk to my wife about it. And I'm like, this is, I mean, at first I was like, wow, that's really, you know, that's huge to me because he wants to be with me. But then after a while it was like, why are you lying to people? (laughs) You know? People want to take ownership of you. Right. I've always been, well, with the two relationships that I've been in, it's like they want me, but they don't really want me. One right. drugs and his habits. And as a drug addict, you can only have two loves in your life or one love in your life. You can't have two. So he chose the drugs and everything. Yeah. I've never done anything. I'm allergic to pot. I can barely even be in the same room with a hemp plant. I... And very sensitive when it comes to Percocet, um, anything over the anything that a prescription drug or anything that they would put in on IV, I absolutely cannot have it. Yeah, um, I think kratom is the only thing that saves me mentally, physically, and emotionally. Um, but I really, you know, with my and my my most recent ex husband. He was amazing at first. It yeah. Was, he was so kind, so loving, so gentle, so patient. But I was like, when is this ball going to drop? Right. And I waited. I mean, I waited two, three, four years. And I was like, swear to God, this guy is just going to be like, yep, yeah, fuck you. <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, we got along. We talked. We we never really argued. If we did argue, it was always over with by the end of the night. We were done. Never went to bed angry. Never went to bed mad. And then three years ago, he it was like he literally did a 380 flip with me and was like looking at me with pure disgust. What? Oh, yeah. Just so disgusted in who I was. I did not have time for me, didn't have time for the kids, very impatient, very snappy. And I know that business took over in his brain and he just lost who he was. Oh, okay. I was about to ask, was it was there something that triggered that or did it just happen? Business. Business happened. Business made him, you know, money. Money made him hungry and money made him miserable just absolutely miserable yeah my ex was that way too with anytime anytime we had money issues or we were broke you know for a couple you know however long he would turn into the biggest ass I mean it was but all along he's hiding money so He's hiding his own money, but he's making me take care of the finances. So now it's my fault that he's being an asshole. And, yeah. oh, I'm sorry, baby. I I just get like this because it stresses me out that I can't provide for us and, you know, whatever. And it's just like, but you're hiding money and you have no reason to be mad at me because I'm broke too. Like, I'm, a, I'm broke right along with you. I mean, like, I understand that finances can stress people out. I get that. But just the way that he did it specifically was just 
it was like it was my fault and he had nothing to do with it so now it's justifying the fact that he's being an asshole yep no that's exactly what it is you know and it's hard because you're like i'm trying so hard to keep things square and keep things straight and he's like i just don't think about it I just don't yeah. think about it. Why did that get paid? Why did this get paid? And uh, the whole time I'm like, put it on an auto pay. I don't right. have time to do that either. Put it on a fucking auto pay. I don't care. Well, then how are we supposed to keep track of that? Well, our bank account keeps track of that. Our yeah. account keeps yeah. track of that. Like, as long as there's money in there and you've allotted for this account, then you should be fine. Right. So, you know, I mean, there were plenty of times when we woke up one morning and our phones were off and we're both looking at each other like, really? <laughs> you know? Wow. But, yeah. The little things, you know, it's hard when you're just working, 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 and the little things add up every once in a while and you're just going, oh, shit. Oh, oh, shit. You know, you get letters for disconnect from your electric bill because you didn't pay it and you're like looking at each other going, well, it's in your name. Well, I didn't know I had to pay it. What do you mean you don't know how to pay it? Right. And then it's like, oh my God, you need to get that fucking paid. You need to take care of that shit. Oh, and you're like thinking, why is it all on me? Like, you should you should help. So it's always like, on you. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? And I'm thinking, well, if that's what you want me to do is your accounting and billing, then I guess I need to switch job description. Right. So it's funny to me because like two days, I'm here. Can you hear me? Hello? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay. Um, Like two days before I left and like moved completely out from my ex, his uh, truck bill the truck payment was due and I used to pay that with his money or our money, I guess, cause we had a joint bank account, but, um, I always made sure that it was paid Well, I knew I was leaving. So I was like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna worry about this. His truck is not my problem. He should, you know, he knows when it, when the due date is. And a few yeah. months later calling me and harassing me because the truck payment didn't get made and it's my fault that now he's going through a repo you owe me 460 dollars. i i'm getting my truck repo because of you and i'm like dude you're a grown-ass adult you could pay your own bills i left yeah. that's not that's no longer my responsibility and it shouldn't have been in the first place right it's just it's it's crazy to me the uh mindset that they're in like you are in charge of their life. And if anything goes wrong, then it, it's the end of the world and it's your fault. Are you there? Are you there, babe? I'm, can you hear me? Hey, Crystal, are you there? Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Did you get out of the car or something? <laughs> My mom opened the door. Oh. <laughs> but anyway, um, so yeah, it's just, it's amazing to me how 
you're supposed to be in charge of their life, even though they're a grown ass adult. And if anything goes wrong, you, it's your fault, you know? Yep. Even after the fact, even after you're gone, it's like, well, you did this and you did that and you, and you weren't even responsible for those things, you know? Right. It's, it's just the fact that they don't take any responsibility. It's huge with a narcissist. I know um, probably any abuser in general, they just won't take responsibility for their own actions and their own, you know, um, adult responsibilities. So they have to have someone else to blame it on. Right. Right. And that's what they say, you know, that guy. So he posted a thing on this on um, TikTok on our page and it said, you know, he was a narcissist and it's crazy that, you know, they feed they feed off of our tears. They feed off of our sadness. They feed off of our our um, emotional roller coaster because they feel they have power over you. Yep. The more they make you cry, the more they make you hurt, the more in their mind they're like, I got her. She's yeah. mine. She's not going to go anywhere. She's never going to leave. Yeah. So It's part know, of forming a trauma bond. Right. The love bombing is definitely something that, you know, everybody needs to be alert. Everybody needs to be aware of, you know, the right. gifts, the oohs, the ahs, the I love yous, the everything like that. You know, if it's not a genuine, I love you. If it's not a genuine, I want to be with you. I can't wait to marry you. I, this is going to be amazing between us and you are you still feel like there's a missing piece run that missing piece right. is never going to come <laughs> never going to be there i think the biggest thing to tell whether it's a red flag or if it or if he's genuine is is he still an individual like is he still living his own life away like a side of the relationship because if you jump into a relationship and all of a sudden your life is his life and that's you're the center of his attention, but you've known right. each other for three weeks, three. a month, one week, then, then that that's your red flag. If you think it's genuine and they're still doing their own thing, they're still visiting with their friends, going to work and all that, then yeah, I would think that it's, it's not, I, I would think it's genuine, but if, if they're just completely immersed in you and your life and nothing else then that's a red flag that's a love bombing is a tough one because you know like we said it's hard to you want to hear those things but there's a fine line there's a boundary there there is a fine line and like i said you know you can go years without hearing it you're like oh my god they love me oh my god they think i'm gorgeous Mm -hmm. all the things that i want to hear but are they genuine about it right well um do you have any do you have any other comments or that's really all i i mean yeah i could go on all day about love bombing but that's what i've got on my mind today yep i think that's good and we are looking forward to hearing from more people those of you who want to jump on here, have questions, comments, concerns, you know, if you know somebody or are going through this yourself, send us a message on Messenger, you know, 
we're more than happy to reach out to you. We're more than happy to help you and get things going for you too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, tomorrow we'll talk about devaluing the devaluation phase. And I'm kind of excited about that one. <laughs> so, yeah. But all right. Well, I hope you get to feeling better, Fallon. Oh, girl, you and me both. Three days. Yeah. Three days. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for pretty much taking over today. I got you, girl. <laughs> we'll right, talk dear. tomorrow. Yes, ma'am. Have a good day. You too. Bye. Bye, guys.